Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm very excited to uh, bring this message tonight. I'm usually excited to bring a message. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm talking about evangelism and Tonight we're going to go, which it, which it could be evangelism, obviously, but we're going to go in a, a certain direction. But anyway, I just can't express how excited I am and how honored I am to share. And I just wanted to uh, thank you guys from a lot of the positive feedback from the last series, It's Personal. And I really want to encourage you guys to really live that out, the It's Personal series. Live out being a minister of reconciliation. Take your place. Walk in love. And I just want to remind us of a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So when we think about that message, it's an amazing message. And that ties right into the message tonight. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the subject of forgiveness. Don't get nervous. We're not going to be asking anybody to forgive anybody tonight. It's going to be next week. We're going to be talking about extending forgiveness to others. So if you want to sin against somebody, do it between now and next week. <laughs> Because they're going to be preaching on forgiveness, and they're going to have to forgive you. We got it all covered. We know what we're doing here at New Beginnings, right? We look out for you. So our God is a God of forgiveness, and the entire Bible is centered around forgiveness and reconciliation. So what's our goal in this series? We always like to have a goal. I always like to let you guys know where we're taking us. To have such an appreciation of God's forgiveness toward us that we're compelled to extend that forgiveness to others, to have such an appreciation of God's forgiveness toward us that we are compelled to extend that forgiveness to others. I think there might be, a, oh, actually, they, it's correct on there, but anyway. So in the first week, we're going to look at what Jesus did for us on the cross and how we need to receive that forgiveness for ourselves and live in the light of that. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. And then next week, we're going to be talking about extending that forgiveness to others. So I want to uh, talk about something before we get into the message, especially regarding forgiveness. In, in John 15, 4 through 5, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we really think about it, I've been really meditating on this and in prayer and just staff prayer, we've been praying for this sometimes. When you think about it, like apart from God, apart from the grace of God, we can't do anything. We can't forgive people or we can't receive forgiveness because really it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. So apart from God, we cannot forgive. Listening to Star 99.1, I heard it said one time, and I think this was such an awesome way to say this about forgiveness. 
Without the gift of forgiveness, a pastor said this, without the gift of forgiveness, we would not have one relationship intact. Forgiveness is vital. Think about that. If we didn't, if it wasn't for forgiveness, we wouldn't have any relationship intact, especially our relationship with God, and we're going to get into that. So the title of this message, and I'm very excited, anybody who likes baseball, the title of this message is The Imperfect Game. So what do we mean by the imperfect game with the perfect crossed out? Why did I choose that? When I started thinking about this message, I started thinking about a baseball game from 2010. That's nine years ago. Okay, that flashed in my head, that, this play from the game. So I'm going to set it up for you. It was June 2nd, 2010 at Comerica Park in Detroit, Michigan. The teams were the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Indians. The pitcher was Armando Galarraga, and he was making a bid for the 21st perfect game in history. Now, the Lord definitely wants us to see this clip. He likes baseball. But anyway, the reason why I'm telling you, I thought, when I was thinking about preaching this message, it flashed in my head. I don't usually turn on the TV in the morning. Before I was headed to work, I turned on the TV. And even if I do, I usually shut it off. I was watching a baseball show. And I'm telling you, I go to put my shoes on. As I'm putting my shoes, I didn't turn the TV off. I was about to go turn it off. And that game from 10 years ago or nine years ago flashed on the screen. And I saw the play. I'm like, that's it. So what's a, let, let's set up what a perfect game is for a pitcher so we could really see. So the perfect game is defined by Major League Baseball as a game in which a pitcher or a combination of pitchers pitches a victory that lasts a minimum of nine innings in which no opposing player reaches base. A perfect game is also a no-hitter and a shutout, and there's no walk. So when you think about it, a pitcher pitched such a great game. There's 27 batters. There's 27 outs, okay? And he didn't give up a run. He didn't give up a walk. He didn't give up a hit in the entire game. Only done 21 times in the history of Major League Baseball. There's been 218,400 Major League Baseball games played and there's been only 23 perfect games in the history of baseball. There has been 23 to 33 consecutive seasons where a perfect game wasn't thrown. 23 to 33 years. So with that said, let's take a minute and see what happens in Armando Galarraga's bid for a perfect game. to its feet. The guy we've been waiting for all night. Ground ball, right side. Cabrera will cut it off. Galarraga covers. He's out. No, he's safe. He is safe. He is safe at first base. 
Jim Joyce said he was safe at first base. You make the call. Cabrera, Galarraga. He missed the base. He's out. Why is he safe? He must have missed the base. Are you kidding me? Why is he safe? You see right here. Why is he safe? Oh, oh my goodness, Jim Joyce. No. Glad I didn't tell you what happened. How many have seen that? Wow, not a lot of people. So here's, I guess, a little terminology in baseball. That guy was out by a mile in baseball terminology. Okay. When I saw this game, I remember watching it live, and my first reaction was, wow. And my next reaction when we saw how the story ends, it ends up pretty cool, was, I believe with all my heart that the fact that he got that perfect game taken away from him was actually, in a sense, better because you saw so much forgiveness, so much goodness in humanity and in, in, in baseball players. Because if you look, he did not freak out. So listen, it may seem like just a game. How many people, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some people might be thinking, big deal, it's a game, right? So what? Okay. Let's, let's, let's take that, that route. This guy has worked all his life to be a baseball player 21 times. He's worked so hard at his craft. He, may, that may, he feels like that's his calling, I'm sure. He takes it so seriously. He has a bid to have a, the, the 21st perfect game in history, and that happens. You think you might get a little upset? Put it in your terminology. You walk into work, and one of your files is in the wrong place, one of your coworkers moved your file and you're freaking out, but, he, but it's only a game to him. So my point is, yes, it is only a game, and that's true, but that game, there's humans on the field. They work hard for this stuff. And I'm not even liking it to somebody doing something sinfully or intentional to us, really trying to hurt us. That was unintentional. So worse things could happen, right? But have you? the reason I chose to set this up, it's really the perfect scenario for this message on forgiveness. That's why I chose the perfect game with it crossed out, imperfect. It was almost a perfect game. But isn't that life? How many of us had had the perfect day or the perfect vacation, the perfect life, and somebody messed it up? You know, I hate to hit home. Maybe your a husband left or a wife left or something happened and your perfect game got messed up or we messed up somebody else's perfect game, Right? And then we're living with the consequences of feeling bad. Or we messed up our own perfect game or our perfect life or our perfect job, whatever that is. And we live under that guilt constantly. Well, the story ends great. And this is what's awesome about it. I'm going to read this directly. Excuse me. Let me get some water, please. Joy, Joyce, Jim Joyce, the umpire, was very tearful and apologetic to Galarraga after the game. Upon realizing he made the incorrect called Galarraga was forgiving and understanding in the mistake. That's the picture. Without irony, he told the reporters after the game, nobody's perfect. Galarraga was the most prominent of the many people throughout Major League Baseball who sub subsequently voiced their support for, support for Joyce. Unusually, the umpire met with both the pitcher and the media after the game to apologize for his error. The sportsmanship dem demonstrated by Galarraga and Joyce earned them both widespread praise 
for their handling of the incident. We're going to see how it ends next week when we talk about forgiving others. We're going to show a little clip of how they met at home plate um, at one of the next games. But when I thought about this, I, like I said, I was like, wow, who cares about the perfect game? It's so awesome to see perfect forgiveness, right? So ABC News actually did a two-minute clip, and they got this right. It was awesome. They did a whole clip, and this is what they said at the end. You might say that one man missed the chance to be perfect, but two men seized the chance to be good, and being good in life trumps being perfect in baseball. Man, they, that, they nailed it on that one, right? So in life, we understand that other people will do things to affect us. Can I get an amen on that? And we will do things to affect others. We just don't see them because sometimes we don't see our own faults. Most of the time, most of the time, it's unintentional just like this. It's a mistake. Other times, people will willfully sin against us, not intentionally trying to hurt us. But unfortunately, which is a smaller percent of the times, there's people who are operating where they just are out to, to do something intentionally and purposely to hurt us. But in all of this, God wants us to forgive. So look at, let's look at a scripture in Colossians and Mark. So Colossians, it said, make allowances. So it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for, other, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So as I said, I can't even begin to stress how important it is to hook up with this message. Forgiveness is so vital to our relationships. It's absolutely vital. God is a God of forgiveness. And when we extend forgiveness as a lifestyle, we're showing the character and nature of God. And we're not extending forgiveness. We're not showing the character and nature of God. It's that simple. In Mark eleven twenty three, 23, right? Through 26, I'm not going to read the first verses, but in 25 through 26, Mark 11, we talk about talk, speaking to the mountain and moving the mountain and having mountain moving faith. But at the end of that, it says, Whatever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So, really, let's face it, it's easy to speak to the mountain. The forgiveness is the mountain that's tough, right? That's where it gets tough. When somebody's wronged you, and now maybe 10 years it's affected your life, maybe a divorce, a job loss, something your kids did to you, a person stabbed you in the back, maybe they, they ridiculed you, they, they said false things about you, and now you have to live with that, people thinking all lies about you, whatever it is, those are the tough things. Those are the things that set Christians apart from just being good people, or set Christians apart from just humanity overall and just being a Christian. So again, the goal of this series is to have such an appreciation of God's forgiveness toward us that we're compelled to extend that to others. So this week, we're going to focus on really how God forgave us. Because what did it say? Forgive others the way God forgave you. The Bible talks a lot about that. Love others the way God has loved you, right? So I guess we'd have to look at how God forgave us if we're going to be able to extend that to others. And when we really see what God forgave us of, and we really look deep into this, 
We should live entirely different. We shouldn't live with the weight of sin. We shouldn't live with the burden of sin, right? So the scriptures say, and it keeps saying, forgive the way God forgave you. We can't forgive others when we don't appreciate how God forgave us. You can't, we, hold, we hear this saying, we hear these sayings in the world, you can't give people what you don't have, and it's true. We can't give people what we don't experience in life. And as I said, we're going to mess up other people's perfect games. They're going to mess up ours. It's going to work both ways. But here's where I want to focus tonight before we go into next week about forgiving others. I want to say this right. It's very easy sometimes when we come into the kingdom and we're a new Christian, right, for ourselves and to forgive others because maybe you don't know God and, and you're walking around blind and you're hard, hardened heart and then you come to Christ and you're like a little baby. You're so excited and you make mistakes, but it's like, wow, I'm forgiven, and it's so great. But how many people have experienced when you've been a Christian for 20 years and you do stuff and you really hurt people, right? Isn't it harder to like sometimes, wow, I got to forgive myself. I got to get this guilt off me. And I believe with all my heart that God's going to set people free tonight. We're going to walk out of here so light, so free, knowing we're forgiven. We're going to put... Even our past is a Christian behind, because I'm not going to ask for hands, but you're lying to me if you didn't make some mistakes as a Christian that you'd like to turn back time on, right? We all would. Maybe it's something little, maybe it's something big, but that's the goal tonight, to walk out of here knowing that God loves us and we're free from sin. But man, I'm telling you, I had to do some forgiving in my life at one period, and I started studying out the word forgiveness, and we always talk about forgiveness as being stuck. Right? We hear about that. And I've heard it all my life, and it's so true, but I found it in Scripture. It's like, wow. When we start really unpeeling what forgiveness means, it's unbelievable. We have to get this. Okay. So in Colossians, forgave, how God forgave us. It means to pardon you, rescue, to freely give, to bestow a favor on unconditionally. We got that part. So God has rescued us. He freely gave us, he bestowed favor on us that we didn't deserve. But now it goes deeper, and that, that word is chariz, charizome. But in Mark, when you talk about forgive, and they're very similar, it goes aphiemi. I don't know if I'm saying it right, it doesn't matter, it's a Greek word. Listen to this. Man, if, you, if this doesn't get you excited, if this, like Marty Blackwelder says, if this doesn't get you excited, your wood is wet. But I always thought that was funny. No, he goes, if this doesn't light your fire... Your wood is wet. I used to say that to people that weren't Christians at my job. I used to tell them, this preacher comes to church. Isn't this funny? One day I was walking around saying it to everybody. If, if, um, you know, if it doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. And it's so true. Don't you guys love Marty Blackwelder? Oh, God, I love that guy. So anyway, it conveys the basic idea of an action, listen to this, in forgiveness, which causes separation and refers to total detachment total separation from a previous location or condition. It means to send forth or away from oneself. It means to remit as of one would have a financial debt. It means to go from one location or place to another. It actually means to divorce or lay aside. Think of, are we getting this? Jesus separated us from sin forever, Okay. And when you legally divorce, you're legally divorced. So Jesus legally separated us, and we're going to get more into this, from sin. He took us from one location 
and he brought us to another. So when we're in unforgiveness, either not forgiving others or not receiving the forgiveness of God, we're actually stuck in a location that we have to get out of. But Jesus rescued us and he took us and he separated us from sin and he attached us to the Father. Think about that to lay aside as in a divorce. I always say people are divorcing the wrong thing. They're divorcing the spouse. They should be divorcing the unforgiveness. Now, there's reasons. I'm not going to get into that. Well, maybe we should and could, but the reason is I'm making a point. When there's unforgiveness there and somebody's just so bitter against their spouse and they divorce them, really, I always say you're divorcing the wrong thing. You should be divorcing the unforgiveness and attaching yourself back to your spouse, but that's a whole other story. So forgiveness speaks of total detachment and separation from sin. So in the light of what just we talked about, let's look at what Jesus did for us, okay? So I chose the perfect game because I thought about this too, okay? And you could put that even back up on the screen now, the the title. Think about this for a second. I'm going to throw one at you. I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm getting all the baseball analogies tonight. So anyway... Think about this, and I didn't even plan that anyway, I'm just joking. So you're like, he comes up with these ridiculous things. But anyway, the uh, story in the garden, okay? We mess up people's perfect games or things in their life, and they mess up things in our life that are perfect. But what about the fact when we sin, we really sin against God? The prodigal son say, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven, right? Did God not have a perfect game? For us and for him, does he not love us? Does he not want to commune with us and fellowship with us? Anybody who you want to communicate with your kids or your kids aren't talking to you, doesn't that break your heart? When you're like, man, I, but I love you and I, I have something better for you and your kids are not obeying. You're like, man, it breaks our hearts as parents. So did God not put us in a perfect scenario? In Genesis 2.15, then the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. And that word die means separation, death, separated from God. Now, he still comes after us. He still loves us. He still wants to talk to us. But God, sin separates us from God. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Like I said, it doesn't mean that he doesn't come after us like he did in the garden. But he put Adam and Eve in the perfect garden, having everything they wanted. Isn't it amazing how it's, it's the, grass is green on the, the grass is green on the other side syndrome. We could have everything we want. Our lives could be perfect. But we see that one thing we can't have. We're like, you know what? I want that one thing. Our kids, you have all the toys to play with right here, everything right there. But don't touch that toy. And they touch it. Yet your, your teenager, look. There's a lot of guys or girls, I, I, I'm fine with you dating, but don't date that one. And they do. I think we should try a different way to do it. Pick out the ones we want them to date. Say, don't date them. I'm telling you, you're not dating them. There you go. Perfect, perfect hookup right there. So I'm being serious. It's like we do the opposite. So we're in this perfect scenario. We have communion with God. We have a relationship with God. We're free from fear, free from anxiety, free from sin, no death, perfect communion with God, no insecurity, everything we ever wanted. We weren't there, but Adam and Eve were there. And the Bible says we all have sinned and fallen fallen short of the glory of God. If we were there, we would have did the exact same thing as Adam and Eve. So it says when when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant, 
to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Right? The Bible says, again, the wages of sin is death. So God now, he covers them temporarily, right? He covers them temporarily. And throughout the Old Testament, there was sacrifice after sacrifice. God would have the priests make sacrifices, and they would be the only one to go into the Holy of Holies, right? So he would have these sacrifices. But ultimately, God couldn't excuse sin, so he had to put it on Jesus Christ. Think about that. He didn't excuse sin and wink at it. He said, okay, I love them, and I want to be with them, and I care for them, and I want to see what's best for them, so I'm going to send Jesus to die to what? Take away their sin, take away the penalty of their sin, and bring us back into the relationship with Father. So in Luke 23, 32 through 34, there were also two others, criminals led with him to be put to death, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one at the right hand and one on the other on the left. Then they said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So at that place called Calvary, Jesus took all of our sins. There's a song, I love it. I must have listened to it like 40 times for a while. And it just would minister to my heart so much that Calvary covers it all. It covers everything, right? Everything, all means all. Everything means everything. Like I was thinking about a story. I have a friend that survived a miraculous house fire where he was in college and the house went on fire and everybody got out but him but miraculously he fell to his knees with smoke inhalation he's like I had no idea where to go but I just saw this opening and I got out of the house and that was the tragic thing that you know there was a fire but he was fine and I was on the phone with him one day and he's like lost everything I'm like remember that thing we had when we were kids did you lose that oh no that was at my mom's then he went on to the next thing I'm like I, I said something else that too he goes oh wait no that's at my mom's too I'm like we didn't really lose everything. We were just kind of joking. But my point is, everything is everything, right? So Calvary covers it all. And here's what I want us to see about what Jesus did. And we're going to get into this more next week, okay? Jesus Christ didn't say, I forgive them, which he did. But in that state, he was taken on our sin. And it says, oh, God, why have you forsaken me? And he was separated from God at that point, And he never experienced that. He had to experience that separation so we didn't have to experience it for eternity. But if you could get this down, and we're going to get into this more next week. Are you guys with me? Say amen. Just let me know you're with me because this is serious. Jesus didn't say, I for-. he said, Father God, forgive them. Okay? Father God, forgive them. And God is the one who really holds the key to forgiveness, right? I bought this key for a reason. So here, think about this when you forgive somebody. This is when you really, really, truly know you've forgiven somebody. When you're not saying, I forgive them, which is fine, we need to do that. But when we're kind of like Christ, the way he forgave us, Father God forgive them, there's a difference. You're like, what's the difference? The difference is, I forgive you, but I really want to go to the one who can that you would have to pay the consequences or the person that you would have to go to who holds the key to forgiveness. So Jesus is pleading with the Father, please, Daddy, forgive them. Because you can forgive them. You're the one who judges sin. You're the one forgives. And I'm asking you 
not to give them what they deserve. That is true forgiveness. And when we get to the place where we're saying, Father God, forgive them. That means that I'm going to the Father on somebody else's behalf and saying, I don't want them to get what they deserve for what they did. And one time I was in a situation, we're getting into this next week, and Pastor had said to me, he, when I really had a situation, he says, just try to look at it, whatever that person's doing in their life, how would you want someone to pray for you when you were in that situation? And that changed my life. Daddy, please, please, I don't want them to experience that, 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 condom, that judgment, that whatever it is. He's going to God and asking him to forgive. And there's a big difference because that's when you know you're free. That's when you know you've forgiven because you don't want them to get it. You don't, because you hear it all the time. Hey, I forgive them and I, I laugh all the time, but God's the judge. They'll get what they deserve. Oh, you're, you've forgiven. Or I'm the bigger person. I'll be the bigger person. They're small down here. I'm up here. I forgive you. You know, it's like, come on. Like I, that, it's, Please, I'll, get, I'll go on that next week. And I'm being serious about that. When I hear people say that, like, I'll take the high road. Like, I'm taking the, like, make sure going up to somebody. I just want to let you know, I'm really, I forgive you for all the bad things you've done to me. I'm going to take the high road. So then you could take the low road. I'll see, maybe we'll meet sometime, but just letting you know. I, it's just like, come on, right? It's, anyway, so in Hebrews 10, it says, And every priest stands ministering daily, and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered our one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So Jesus put us back into that right standing with God. He put us back in that perfect garden. Are we going to sin? Yes. But we're no longer, we are going to commit sins, but we're no longer sin nature. There's a big difference. We commit sins as Christian, but it's no longer our nature. When we're an unbeliever and we commit sin, it's part of our nature. But when we're a Christian and we commit sins, we commit acts of sin, but it's not our nature anymore. So that's what I want us to walk out of here, being detached from the nature, the nature of God. So let's look at, in light of all this, what Jesus did for us and a few things that we could take away from what he did on the cross for us. So forgiveness is the key that opens, the, that opens access to the presence of God. These are those keys from unlock, right? So my niece, Autumn, had this the other day. I'm like, oh, I want to use it for the message. I guess my dad got it from unlock, gave it to my niece. So she has it, and she hands it to me, and I said, what's this key for? It was so cute. She's like, nothing. And I'm like, no, Autumn, you're wrong. Every key has to be something. I'm like, Pop-Pop gave it to you. He, he, he gave it to you. It's for something. It's out there. It's on the key. You just don't know what it is, but it's, it's for something. She's like, no. <laughs> She's like, it's for nothing. You know what? She was right. These keys were uncut, so it's for nothing. But you got them at unlocked, right? So anyway, I said that to say this. Forgiveness is that key that opens things. Forgiveness is that key that opens access. So forgiveness is the key that opens the door so we can access the presence of God. Mark 15, 37, right? Mark 15, 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Think about that. The temple was torn in two. That, that was representative of sin being broken. 
Oh, man, get excited about that sin being broken in our lives. That There was an earthquake, the, temp, the, 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 the veil torn in through, that veil that only the priest could enter by the Holy of Holies, the blood of Jesus has made us righteous so we could enter into the Holy of Holies and have a relationship with God. So it destroyed sin and brought us into the presence of God. So now we could enter into the Holy of Holies. So it's the access into the presence of God. Such an appreciation for what God has done in our lives. Such an appreciation for how much he's forgiven us. Think about it. We were on our way to hell. It's that simple. We were on our way to hell. We were separated from God forever through sin. And Jesus destroyed that sin. Number two, which is one of my favorite, detachments from sin. So by the blood of Jesus Christ, by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, to take the penalty for our sins and take away that sin, take away the penalty Remove it from our lives forever so we could access the presence of God, so we could come back into relationship with the Father and put us back in that perfect garden, right? It gives us detachment from sin. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. What did I say? To go from one location to another, to be detached forever from a particular thing. So in essence, Jesus detached us from sin and attach us to the Father. Number three, cleansing from the effects of sin. Cleansing from the, the effects of sin. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. And that's unrighteousness, that feeling of being affected by sin or even just watching people sin or when someone sins against you because think about it this way. You could be defiled by sinning yourself, but you could also be defiled by somebody sinning against you and watching it take place. It just gets on you, right? But in general, God wants to cleanse us from, from the guilt, because sometimes we go to God and we ask for forgiveness and we know we're forgiven, but we still carry that shame, that guilt, that, 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 that heaviness of sin. And finally, number four, empowerment to live free from sin. Hebrews 12, 1 through, through 2, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God wants to display his power through us. Life is going to be messy, but God wants to use us and allow his power to flow through us in spite of our imperfection. Just like the perfect game that ended up being imperfect and forgiveness shined through, right? Just like in the perfect garden, that was perfect, and we messed it up. Adam and Eve messed it up. When I say we, we weren't there. But if we were there, we would have did it because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just like when we mess up others' lives and do things to others that hurt them, God wants to work through us. God wants to let his power and his love and his light shine through. In 2 Corinthians, it's 4-7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay 
these imperfect human vessels to show this all-surpassing greatness. Excuse me, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I want to close here in about another uh, five or so minutes with my message, and I want to do a call. Matt, is Matt here? He wasn't here a second. Bianca's not here either. Matt, Matt, I love the way he preaches. Matt, to me, is just such an awesome preacher, so simple. The message last week, he, and I said, the reason I know you're a good preacher, because I was talking to him about a message that he preached, and he didn't remember, and I'm like, but I do, I'll tell you it. So he had a message on, and he just said he was a messy kid, and he's his life is messy, because I remember I was a messy kid. And he gave a story of his wife, and she was, he's, she's a painter, and she had all these beautiful paintings that sat in her closet, because they, and they were beautiful to everybody else, but she saw the imperfections in them. And she didn't want to showcase them because she saw the imperfections. And just like the scripture says, we're treasures in jars of clay that shows this all-surpassing power from God and not us. And these imperfect vessels, right? God wants to show his glory. He wants to show his love. He freed us from sin so we could walk the way Jesus walked. We could walk in love. We could walk in forgiveness. We're not going to be perfect like him, but we're going to get it right a lot more than we did before, right? We're, we're going to make mistakes, but we have the power to overcome sin. We have the power to overcome unforgiveness. So whatever you're battling today, understand this. Understand this, that he wants us to be able to run the race. You can't run a race when you're way down. Sprinters, they, want it, they, they wear shorts, they wear tank tops. Everything is light on them. Why? Because they're running a race and they want to win. We can't run this race. We can't win, right? We can't win in this life. We can't serve God the way we're supposed to if we're weighed down by sin. Jesus died on the cross to take away sin forever. So I want to go back to this scripture that we started with. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. This is exactly where I want to end. We got about 10 more minutes. I wanted to wrap up a little earlier tonight, but I want to give us a call for something that's a very, you know, private and personal call. So to, to end our message, we, we, we talked about how forgiveness is so vital to our relationships. And the truth is this, that if it wasn't for forgiveness, we would never have a relationship with God. And we would never have a relationship with others, so it has to be sprinkled in our lives. And forgiveness is detaching us from sin forever. It means to go from one place to another. And we sinned in the garden, in this perfect game, in, the, in this perfect world. And God has forgiven us and sent Jesus for us to live this new life. And next week, we're going to be talking about how we need to take this forgiveness to others. But today... I really want us to go deep in this because I don't want us to be like, yeah, I heard this before. I'm forgiven. I want us to really look at our hearts because here's my challenge. If anyone's in Christ, the new has come, right? The old has gone, the new is here. Does that have a little new meaning? Jesus said, I'm going to take you from one place to another. I'm going to detach you from sin forever. It no longer has a hold on. You're no longer, um, you're not under law, but you're under grace. He broke 
the power of sin forever. Detached, like, we're, like you're divorcing sin and it can't ever come near us again. That's the way God wants us to live. It's broken over our lives. And I want our default mechanism to start being not unforgiveness, not, oh my God, I sinned, I'm a horrible person and live in condemnation for two days. Immediately, we, we want to get to the place where it just springs out of us. I've sinned, that's okay. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse us. He'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So here's the challenge to us today. Next week, it's going to be a tougher challenge because we like to receive that forgiveness, and that's very easy. But man, that same forgiveness that we get, that same forgiveness that we receive, we got to give to others. Because he said, forgive the way I have forgiven you. And the way I've forgiven you is I loved you unconditionally. I went to the cross for you. I didn't look at your sin. I didn't hold your sin in your face. I didn't hold your sin against you. It says that we're, we're ministers of reconciliation. God didn't hold our sin against us. So here's the challenge I want to issue to us. Are we walking like a new creation? Or are we still walking like the old man? Are we walking like sin is still attached to us? Is that weight still on you? Maybe from your past. Maybe from stuff you've done as a Christian. Whatever it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe everybody's in here is great and that's fine. But still, we could still be excited about God's forgiveness. But in a room this size, it's, it's not always the case. Because I know this, this message ministered to me about some things. It really ministered to my heart. So if we could all stand up. We're going to dismiss in a few minutes. Just close your eyes. This is personal. Our prayer team is going to be up here in a few minutes to pray a prayer. And please, everybody, nobody looking around. I really want this to be personal. Eyes closed. Please, out of respect for the person around you, this is a private time. If you're here today, and number one, you never came into relationship with God. You're like, okay, great. Jesus died on the cross. Wow, this is new to me. It, it simply says this. All we have to do, it says, to as many as received him, to as many as believed in his name, he's given them right to become children of God. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God. And you could be a creation of God, but not a child of God. The way to become a child of God is to believe in his name. Oh, the Bible says you had to just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. What does that mean to be saved? You're in a relationship with God forever. Sin is broken over your life. And if you're here today and you never did that and you want to do that today, raise your hand. You're here today, one more time, and you never received Christ. You never believed on him. Raise your hands a little higher. All right. Okay, put your hands down, please. Okay, awesome. And the second call I'm going to make, and we're going to pray two separate prayers. If you're here today... And you know in your heart, I need forgiveness for some things. Or I'm living in it right now, and I'm ready to get free from sin. I'm ready to break out of sin. I don't want it anymore in my life. Or if you're here today, and you are just carrying guilt or pain for the best, don't lie to yourself. We want people to go out of here free. I don't care if it's one person. Jesus died for us, and he wants us all free. If you're here today, and you want to be free from that detachment to sin, and I'm, I'm going to break it off me forever. Even though I'm a Christian, I live under that guilt, or I'm entangled in sin, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking. Okay, wow. Father, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, put your hands down. Okay, we're going to pray that prayer first, and I'm going to pray with you. But also after that, if you want to come up here, the prayer team is here to pray with you. I'd even actually have all you guys come up here. But like I said, this is a private time. This is between you and God. But if you do want to come up here and you really feel like you need someone to pray for you after you pray, we have people up here that are equipped to pray for you. They can pray for you specifically in private. But again, I knew God was going to use this message to minister to people. And thank God he answered our prayers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's pray together first to receive Christ into your life for the first time. Repeat after me. Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross and rose again so I could have a new life. I believe he's your Son and I ask him to forgive me for my past and I make him the Lord, the Lord and, Savior and Savior of my life. Of my life. I'm, a new person. I'm a new person. I'm free from sin. Free from sin. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Before, we're going to pray together because there's other people who raise their hand after that. For those people who raised your hand to receive Christ, I'm excited for you. You are a new person. You didn't change on the outside, but you changed on the inside. Please come up here after and let one of the prayer team members know because we want to put something into your hands. So um, you have something to read and really realize what you did. Now we're going to pray together as a group. And those believers that didn't raise their hand, I want you to, to, again, close your eyes, hook up with me, and let's pray for those people who needed prayer for, to be free from sin and free from their past. Father, are you, oh, I'm, yeah, first repeat after me. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you. That I'm a believer, and I'm your child, and I'm free from sin. I confess those things to you that I'm entangled in, and I thank you that I'm free. And Father, I thank you that the weight of my past is broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to pray overall, and we're done. Father. I thank you for this, for this group, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus for those who are, are, who are held down by the weight of sin, who are held down by the weight of the past. I thank you that your word says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I thank you that they're going to walk out of here detached from sin. And I thank you that the enemy has no power in their lives. You said that you've given us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by no means shall ever harm them. And I thank you that they're not even going to be afraid to go back into sin. They're not going to wake up one day and think, oh, I'm going to go back to this. No, because you said in your word, who the sun sets free is free, and they're going to be free to serve you, to go into your presence, because we have access into your presence. Detachment from sin, Lord God. Cleansing from sin, Father. Father, cleansing from sin and empowerment by your grace to never walk in that again, Father God. And we thank you that even when we make mistakes, you're there to pick us up, Father, 
70 times 7, Lord God, we forgive others. And you forgive us every day, no matter how many. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll rise again. So we thank you that you give us strength in the inner man. You give us grace. And Father, we thank you by the grace of God and the gift of righteousness that we reign in this life through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.